What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Red Blacks Unfiltered. This is the podcast where you can hear candid conversations with your favorite Red Blacks players. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we get into today's conversation with Lewis Ward, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find this show. And if you're one of the people that have recently found this podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. We put out a brand new episode every single Monday at 12. 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And one other thing, I want to just thank everyone for listening to any of these first 10 podcasts. That's right. This is the 10th episode of Red Blacks Unfiltered. This is our first milestone on the road to many. So thank you to everyone that supported it so far. And now I present to you Lewis Ward Unfiltered. Lewis Ward, welcome into Red Blacks Unfiltered. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for asking. So I want to start today's podcast. I want to go all the way back and I want to talk about football, but not American football. I want to talk about traditional football. I want to talk about soccer because if I'm not mistaken, you were born in England, right? And you lived there until you were about 11? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so was your family, were they always from England or did they live in Canada and then move to England and then move back? No, so um, all my family is in uh, in England. They still are, except for uh, me and my parents that uh, are here in Canada. Um, always been from England, uh, moved because of my dad's job, moved to Switzerland when I was about 11 and then moved to Canada uh, probably Christmas of when I was in grade eight. Okay, so how was that transition for you from one like just more so from like a school perspective because it's always tough to be the new kid in school but it must be even harder to be the new kid in school not just moving from a different town but moving from a different country yeah I mean um moving from England to Switzerland was was pretty tough um you know when you kind of your childhood friends growing up and kind of all you've known uh moving is tough but um we we went to uh international school in Switzerland so it was an English-based school um, there were a lot of people from around the world, um, a couple of few American people, a couple of Canadian people actually, and then just other people around, um, the area that want uh, an education in something like that. So that was a relatively, it wasn't easy transition. Um, but I'd say the more difficult transition was outside of, um, the school where, you know, you've got to learn a second language, um, playing soccer in Switzerland, you've got to be able to communicate with different people. Um, so that, that was the tough part, but they were very accepting, um, which made it, made it a lot easier. And then the second transition to Canada um, was very smooth, you know, going from you know, me being English speaking to English speaking school and just, um, just Canada is what it is being very accepting. School set me up with, um, a friend that kind of showed me around for the first couple of weeks and I was very welcomed into, into the public school I went to. So, uh, overall transitions to all countries were, were pretty smooth. That's good. And is it true that you still have a British accent when you speak to your parents? <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. Um, yeah. if I'm over on the phone, um, the accent changes very, very quickly, almost instantly. Um, so people know who I'm talking to, uh, if, if the phone rings and I start talking to my accent, um, it's probably a family member of some sort, wherever they are, wherever they might be. That's awesome. But kind of more so onto the sports side. So you mentioned that you played soccer growing up and you played at a pretty high level, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. Yes, I did. Yep. It's like, what, like what position were you in? Like, what is like, can you kind of contextualize what playing at a high level means? Yeah, so I mean, um, actually, I was a goalkeeper, uh, which surprised a lot of people, um, obviously, because of my height and stuff. Um, but I was very athletic as a, I probably would class myself as pretty athletic now still. Um, but growing up, uh, being a soccer player, I was pretty athletic. And most of the time, it's all about angles and uh, reaction when you're when you're in goal. And uh I'm not sure how exactly I got started in it, but it's kind of all I all I was since growing up. And then um, my dad always was able to say I could I could put a soccer ball anywhere on the field that I wanted to, whether it be across the field or down the field. I could put it to any player wherever they might be, forty, fifty yards down the field. Um, so he he was always pretty impressed with that. Um, 
But then playing at a high level, playing in Canada, uh, we went around Ontario and Quebec quite a lot, um, mostly to Toronto, Ottawa. Um, I actually spent a winter with the Ottawa Fury way, way back, and then just the traveling was too, too much. Um, played a couple exhibition games against Queen's University. I had some interest there. Um, so playing at a high level soccer can be can be fun, and um, it was definitely probably a big part of uh, my athleticism growing up. And you said today your dad said you could always kind of accurately kick the ball to someone even 40, 50 yards down the field. So how does kicking in soccer change versus kicking in football? Because I'm assuming the mechanics are a little bit different, right? Yeah. Um, punting is definitely very different. Um, but kicking a field goal is probably um, the most similar. Um, your kind of body angles, your foot position is a little more open. Um, but also too, with the soccer ball, you can strike the ball many different ways, different angles to make the ball move or spin or kind of do whatever you want it to do. Um, so you kind of have to have a little bit of an athleticism in that sense too. And I think that's probably where I get some of my kicking skills from is because, uh, you know, holds and stuff can be different and it's all about really quick, slight adjustments on the fly when it happens. For the most part, that doesn't happen. Um, but I think that's kind of benefited me in my football career, um, being able to have slight adjustments and foot positions and, and uh, kind of adjusting your swing if needed to be, uh, if, if, if you ever needed to do so. That's cool. I'm always interested to know how other sports kind of impact guys at the pro level that they played growing up and how those skills they picked up in other sports they still use today. And you didn't just play soccer football, right? You played a bunch of other sports growing up as well. Yeah, um, played rugby in my later years of high school. Um, pretty big basketball player growing up. I still still enjoy to go out and play uh, to this day. Uh, my draft year, I actually was in a, uh, well, for my couple last years of um, university, I was in an intramural basketball league, um, pretty high competitive league. And uh, I, that's probably one of the sports that I enjoy to play the most, I would say. Interesting. Okay. So when did you eventually play football? Did you like when you moved to Canada, did you pick it up pretty much right away? Yeah. Um, when, when we, when our family had planned to move to Canada, um, some of the guys that I played soccer with in Switzerland were kind of, they would joke and they'd be like, Oh, you get to go play American football and stuff like that. And then when I first came to Canada, it was kind of winter time. And, uh, you know, the kids in the playground were, you know, they they throw a football around. It wasn't so much organized football. It was more just kind of throw the ball around, maybe run some routes and stuff. You'd have a couple games. I think I forget what it was called. I think it was called uh, Kill the Carrier. I think it's you just you basically threw the ball up into the air, and it was a free for all. You just try and tackle that guy, and then once you tackled, you throw the ball up in the air again, and you go for it. And that was kind of we get in trouble a little bit and from the teachers playing games like that. But uh, that's that's how I was kind of introduced, and then. I think it was the spring, my first spring, just before going into high school, there's a uh, a league that used to be called, it was run by the OPP, and basically it put you into a weight class, I think it was 120 pounds and over, and then under, and uh, I think there was about six or eight teams, um, they're run by volunteer coaches, and basically it was like a little league football, um, and it kind of introduced you into football to go into high school. So that's that's pretty much where it started. Okay. And just back on Kill the Carrier for a second, how do you win that game? I don't think there's really a winner or a loser. <laughs> I think it's you either uh, you get a little beat up and you quit um, or, you know, you just you just keep going with it. I don't, I don't think there's a real true winner um, until the game gets shut down by the teachers. That's fair. And then, so when you started playing football, like in an organized sense, not kill the carrier, did you just kind of, did you gravitate towards kicking because of your soccer background? Like, is that something you did right away? I know you were a returner and did a little bit of offense in high school, but was kicking kind of your focus from the beginning? Um, no, not really. I actually played cause I was, um, I think when I was in grade eight, I was about a hundred and I think it was about 110, 115 pounds. So I was in the the smaller league but um I was one of the bigger kids so but because I was pretty athletic I played tight end for the most part and they put a lot of uh kind of running plays and little little dink and pass plays uh around me 
And then obviously as we got closer to when the season was going to start, that's when, you know, nobody really focuses on kicking in special teams day one of, uh, of organized practice, right? So we were a couple days off from our first game and they were kind of like, you know, who can kick? And um, it was kind of like, uh, you know, I can kick. I think there was probably three or four of us. And uh, from there, I just kind of kicked and they were super shocked and impressed from day one. Um, I know in this in the bigger group that shared the field with us was some high school coaches and they were uh, interested in knowing where I was going to high school next year and if I would play up for the senior league, but that wasn't allowed. So, um, but yeah, from that point on, it was just kind of um, use my strengths at that point. And then uh, they were, they were shocked and I'm sure they were happy to have me on the team at that point. And then where did you end up going to high school? I went to uh Bearage secondary school in Kingston. Okay. And talk to me about your time playing football there. Cause ultimately I guess you, did you become the kicker there right away? Or was there like someone a little bit older than you that they had at the kick as the kicker at that time? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure I went in um, and I was the kicker uh, straight away. Uh, like I said, the, the, the coaches for the, the senior team for the OPP league were the offensive and defensive coaches for the high school. So they knew me coming up straight away. Um, I think there, there, were, there was a kicker, obviously, from the year before, but I think it was as soon as we had practice, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty well known that I was going to be the kicker. Fair enough. And you also did, but you played multiple positions, right? Like, did you play a little tight end in high school as well? Still like how you did when you were playing when you were in grade eight? Uh, for the most part in high school, I played um, a lot of slot back. Um, but they pushed me around different formations and stuff like that, lining up in the backfield. Um, so I was usually probably one of the faster kids on the field. So um, not, not, not one of the biggest kids, but one of the, the faster kids. So they kind of used that um, as one of the, the strengths for us, um, kind of moved me around. Played a little bit of returner, but they took me out of that just because I was playing on quite a bit, quite a bit of everything. Um, so, uh, but yeah, and I played different positions, tried out for different things, and I uh, think it's ultimately helped me get to where I am today. And so, like, do you, what are some, like, if I were to ask you what some of your highlights were from high school football, what would that be? Maybe it's like a team thing, maybe it's a big kick or a kickoff return for a touchdown. Like, what are some highlights you have from high school ball? Um, probably two highlights I have. Um, I think we had a, we had a pretty big uh, game uh, one year in my senior years of high school. Um, I think my mom actually has the news article somewhere in the house. Um, but I think I, I think I broke a record. I have to double check, but I think I broke a record of something to do with all purpose yards in that game. Um, I had at least, at least a hundred or, or I think it was I think close to 200 or something, all purpose yards. I'd have to check on that. Um, and then I had one game, I had a 52 yard field goal to um, win us the game against Frontenac Secondary School, which is a bigger high school here in Kingston. And uh, that school, Frontenac, and the Holy Cross Catholic School, those were the two big schools in Kingston. So um, they had a bigger population, and they always had the best football team in the league uh, in Kingston. And I remember we had a 52-yard field goal, which beat Frontenac Secondary School, which was, I think, the first time in, well, since I can remember. So that was, uh, those are some two big memories. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. So kind of with that in mind, then, kind of a two-pronged question here. When did schools start to kind of approach you and talk to you about recruiting and going to play at the next level? Mm -hmm. And at what point did you have to make that decision and decide to pursue football post-secondary versus going the soccer route? I know you said you like did some stuff with Queens for soccer. So when did you have to make that decision to play football? Um, the decision was kind of made for me in a sense. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to move back to England and play soccer and maybe try something that way. Um, Queens had approached me to play rugby and um, soccer um, just because our, our rugby coaches, I think they're affiliated with Queens and then um, our soccer team would play um, as sort of preseason games against the Queens team. Um, so that's how I kind of got noticed there. Um, but for football, I was 
I did reach out to many other schools, Queens, Bishops, Western. Um, some, some teams actually got back to me and said, um, you know, thank you, but we're not interested. Some teams just didn't get back to me. Um, and Queens, actually, the head coach, they said that they had a kicker coming in this year and they were pretty set on him being their kicker for the next five years. So um, the head coach there kind of said, you know, you know, we're good. We don't, we're not interested, but thank you. And then my last um, regular season game at Ottawa U was against Queens University. And the same head coach in warm up said, if I'd known how your career was going to be, maybe our conversation would have a little been a little bit different. But, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for the route that I took. Um, but basically, Ottawa U was the only school that accepted me. They let me know a couple weeks before camp to come in as a walk-on um, and basically was like, yeah, equipment pickup day is this day, be there at this time. Um, and then from that point on, I was basically just a, uh, a walk-on at that point. I wasn't really heavily recruited or really had any interest at that point. I actually had more interest, I think, in soccer than I did um, playing football. But RWU was, they accepted me in school for the program that I wanted to get into. Um, and at that point they didn't have a soccer team. So at that point, when I got accepted to the university of Ottawa, I just, that was kind of football. The path was kind of made for me in the playing football. And what program was it that you ended up taking at Ottawa U? So I started with a, uh, general social science, um, cause I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. If football didn't work out, I wanted to go into law enforcement. So maybe I wanted to maybe do some kind of criminology degree or something along like that in in the social science department and then once I finished that football was getting pretty serious so I added a minor in history and sociology which kept me around for another two seasons to play football got you okay and so talk to me about the first time you like your first camp with the GGSM when you went and picked your equipment at equipment pickup day and then you went to your first day of camp like what was that like for you um it's pretty intimidating, actually. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys um, that are that are high up on the food chain. You know, you got your senior guys that have been there for four or five years, and you're an 18 year old kid. And some guys are there; they're 23, 24, and um, you know, they can be intimidating. But for the most part, a lot of the guys were very welcoming. They were hard on they were hard on players, but you know, at the end of the day, that's that's how it works, and uh, you know, you build players up that way and build their confidence. And um, I had a kicker, Matt Falvo. Uh, he was probably one of the better uh, kickers in the country, actually, um, in his in his career at Ottawa U. And uh, I was lucky to have him behind me for, or sorry, I was behind him for two years, and I just kind of got to learn um, how how things work, how practice goes, what what are good things to do in practice to to keep you busy and film working out and things like that. And I'm pretty sure, I think it was either that summer or my second summer. Uh, obviously I played with Brendan Galanders for a couple of years um, and ET um, never got to play with Brad, unfortunately, but, uh, but my kicking coach Dave, uh, Dave Miller Johnson was new, new Gilly pretty well. And he came out and he goes, wow. He's like, you, you're in good shape over the summer. So he, Brendan walked away and my coach basically went, he's like, Hey, you, you fall, whatever that guy does, you follow that guy and you do what that guy does. And from that point on, Gilly probably doesn't know. I think I might've told him a couple of times, but uh, I would, I would watch and I'd follow what he would do and how he would go about his business. And uh, you know, he's a pretty serious guy, pretty determined guy. So, um, you know, I, I would say that that helped me in my development throughout university also. No, for sure. And then, so with that in mind, were you a part of the first Panda game once it came back, like the first modern Panda game? Yes, I was. I was uh first Panda game. That was at uh, Lee's field at Ottawa U. Yeah. Yeah. So did you get to play at all? Cause I know you said you were kind of second and second on the totem pole there. So did you get to play at all in that Panda game? Uh, yes, I did. Actually, um, I, so I was in school for seven years. Uh, my first two, um, I was behind Matt. And then my first year that I was the starter was actually when the first Panda game um, 
when it was brought back. And then so talking about like kind of the ensuing Panda games after that, like what it's evolved into today. And I know even just you specifically, you've hit some clutch kicks in those games, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, those games are, I mean, people might argue and there's been some discussion on this, but uh, the Panda game might be the best university or college sporting event in Canada. That game um, just draws a different crowd, the environment, the rivalry. Um, you know, being a part of that game is something that no nobody else in Canada will get to experience. I mean, yeah, people play in Vanier Cups. I'm not saying it's bigger than the Vanier Cup, but the venue itself is probably bigger than the Vanier Cup and and um, any other sporting event in, in Canada. So being a part of that, it's uh, it's pretty special. And to have, I mean, at Red Blacks games, when we do something good, the whole crowd explodes when things are not going so well or maybe the offense is on the field and things need to be quiet. Things are quiet. That game is you've got one school on one side, one school on the other side, and it's it's crazy the entire game. Um, I've been a part of them and I've been able to watch them and they're just a fun experience to be to be around. Oh, for sure. And then, so correct, like what was your guys' record then when you were there while you played in the Panda game? So I won my first one. And then I lost the next four, I believe. So, oh man, but, that's uh, tough. I would say any, all the games that we lost except for one, um, were all so close. I mean, we had the one, two of, I think, I don't know if all of them went to overtime. Um, obviously, there's that Hail Mary. Uh, my last game, pretty sure I hit two, two field goals, one to take us to overtime and one to keep us in overtime. Um, and then, but other than that, there was one game that was kind of Carlton were the better team. Um, but after that, um, all the other games were, they were just so close. And I mean, getting to experience that must just be, it's intense for the players, but on an entertainment, uh, side of things, there, there must be great games to watch. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And then when you were, when you were at, you Ottawa, were you just doing field goals like you are today or were you doing kicking, punting, and doing field goals? Um, I always did the field goals and the kickoffs. And then my last year, uh, I punted. Um, I would have liked to have punted more in my career. Uh, I thought I did pretty well at it. Um, but uh, I did punt in my last year. Okay. And then, so before your last year, you could have gotten drafted in the CFL draft, right? But you ultimately didn't get drafted and went back to school. Is it like that was how you got to your last year, right? Exactly. Yeah. I went through and um, what I was told is, you know, sometimes team, especially for, you know, positions like a kicker where uh, you can kind of rotate them in and out, or you can kind of pick one up if you need to. Um, I was told that nobody really needed a kicker. And why waste um, a year of my eligibility when I can go get some experience back at school? Um, you know, I was I was disappointed that I didn't get drafted um, or even go to a camp or anything like that. Um, but ultimately, um, I think it's made me a better player who I am today. So um, I can't complain with how everything's gone. And what are some of those things you worked on then and during your last year when you were trying to make it to the pros after? Uh, I mean, nothing really changed. I would always work on the same things. I still do, um, you know, consistency. And sometimes I get caught up in, you know, I got to kick the ball further and stuff like that. But ultimately, you know, that's, that's not, that's not the aim of the game. The aim of the game is a, you know, straight ball competition every day. Um, I know if you can put the ball where you want it to in any kind of wind or weather conditions, then you ultimately will win that day. So just things to stay consistent, keep the body feeling good and explosive. Um, and that's pretty much what I work on on a day-to-day basis. And I want to ask too, I couldn't do this podcast without asking, when did you get your job as a security guard at TD Place and how long did you have it for? Um, when would it have been? I'm not sure if it was the first year the Red Blocks opened or it might have been the second year. I can't really remember. Um, but I was there for about four years. Um, being in school, I kind of made the decision that I was going to stay in Ottawa year-round. I had access to coaches, facilities, gyms, um, 
fields, everything that I needed. Um, so that's what kind of brought me here. And, and I needed a job for the wintertime. Um, I worked at the keg one, one summer or year round. And then after that, I said, you know, I need something a bit more and something and what I want to do in the future. So they had a, um, a job fair at TD place and I got to speak to, um, you know, the people that run, uh, security there at TD place, how to get involved, what I need to do. And basically from there, I just went, got my security license. I worked at a couple different events around, around Ottawa, but mostly it was for, um, TD. Uh, and the football games, I worked the Women's World Cup that was there, um, different kind of events that go on. Um, but that just kind of gave me a bit of an experience um, into what I wanted to do if football didn't work out, which was maybe some some kind of law enforcement or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And you worked the 2017 Great Cup, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. So how cool is that for you to one year be working as a security guard at the Grey Cup to fast forward a year later to be kicking in the Grey Cup? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, uh, it's pretty special. I mean, I remember it was cold and snowy. I was part of the, uh, you know, to bring the rope out and keep everything organized, um, you know, to separate players and fans and things like that. So I was very much a part of, um, being around that atmosphere and, um, you know, players and their families and stuff celebrating and some of them, you know, obviously the heartbreak of losing that game. Um, you know, I was, I saw players, you know, being upset and things like that. And, you know, that's just part of sports and that's just part of how things go. Um, but to be able to experience, you know, the noise and the atmosphere um, is, uh, it's, it's not something that everybody gets to do. And I was, I was so close to it all the time. Um, so that was, that was, Special moments, I would say. And I'm curious with you being a security guard and people talk to you about it, did they ever get the narrative wrong? Like, do people think that you were just like that you didn't actually play football in college, that you were just a security guard that somehow caught the attention of Marcel one day and that's how you became a football player? Like, does the narrative ever get twisted that way a little bit? Uh, I think at first it did, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if they were completely, hey, you know, we found a security guard that can kick a football, whether it was like that or, um, you know, but it did, it did get blown up a lot more, the security aspect of it, as opposed to, you know, hey, look at what this guy did in, in his career at university. You know, um, you know, I broke the record for how many made field goals in a career. Uh, that's yet been broken now, but um, just things like that. I mean, the career I had in university, I thought was pretty successful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think if, it was blown up a little bit, but you know, that's, that's kind of stuff that happens. People take something and they go with it and they just keep going and going and going, but that that's just how it went. You just go along with it. Of course. I mean, it's a compelling story nonetheless. And you mentioned there your success at U Ottawa. I have written down here. So the university of Ottawa, all-time leading scorer with a 412 points, you're the U sports third all-time scorer. You're the U sports second all-time in field goals made. You're the OUA first all-time in field goals made and the OUA second all-time in points. So looking at that resume, when you finally finished school for your last year, how many teams were you talking to? Was it just Ottawa? Like how did you end up at with the red blacks? Um, yeah, yeah. When you read them out like that, that's, that's kind of, I never really have read them out like that before, but that's, uh, that's a pretty cool stat line you have. Um, but I had, I had some conversation. I mean, I went, um, before the draft, um, I had a few conversations with Hamilton. Uh, I would say Hamilton was probably the team that I had the most, um, interaction with and conversation, um, a little bit with Montreal. Um, Toronto had a couple phone calls, Ottawa, um, for the most part, um, it's kind of funny cause I know, I know PY, uh, one of our head scouts over there and he, uh, he, he would come to practice and I, I played with PY for a bit at U Ottawa and, uh, he, he had his, he had my stats and he says, you know, it's pretty impressive. And I remember being there and, uh, he says, you know, he's like, the only, the only thing we have is the only real point we have is, is your size. And I said, well, you know, does size make a difference about putting the uh, ball through the uprights? And he kind of, he was a little stunned at my, at my response to that. Cause it was, it was a little bit stern, but he was kind of surprised and he kind of looked at me and was like, yeah, 
yeah, okay, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, and then after the, you know, after that, I had some workouts with Ottawa, workout with uh, Hamilton. And then after the draft, I had a phone call from Toronto to come up for a workout workout over there but then ultimately i went back to school okay but then so after that like that year when you went back to school how did you end up with ottawa after that uh basically we played um guelph university in my um my last year i think it was a playoff game we played and we lost um i think we it was a home game i think we should have won that game we've always had some pretty good games with guelph over the last few years and basically um I was in the hotel room with my parents that they'd have um, in Ottawa because they'd obviously come up for the the night to watch the game and we go get dinner and things after the game. And I talked to my agent and we basically said, "Well, um, we'll uh, you know we'll see what happens. We'll see if there's anybody that's interested. Now that you're done school, and uh, we'll see what happens from there." And I believe um, I went home after that, and then I think it was a few days later, Py called me and he said, "Hey." Um, you know, are you still interested in playing professional football? And I said, yep, absolutely. And he said, okay, well, we'll get in touch with your agent and uh, we'll be in touch soon. And then from that point on, uh, I signed my contract and uh, that's kind of how it went from there. And then, you know, we all know the story of we had the open tryouts with Richie and Sergio and and uh, ultimately they they decided on me and Richie, so. I was going to ask about that with it being an open tryout, because most guys, when they make that jump from college to the pros, they've got vets in front of them, guys that they can kind of look to learn from versus you came in and there wasn't anyone in front of you. How is, how do you think that was a different experience versus the traditional guys having to kind of earn their spot with people in front of them that they have to get around? Like you would have like an opening that you could take right away. Like, how do you think that differed for you? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the way that you kind of look at it is it's like, you know, there's a job opportunity, but every time, you know, this, that's kind of the way football works and pro sports works. I mean, my job is never secure. You know, I just signed a new contract to come back to Ottawa, but that doesn't mean my job's secure. You know, I've still got to work and make sure that, um, that I'm doing the same thing that I need to do to help us win football games and, and keep the job. Um, but having it being completely open, um, you know, Brett Maher was there before and he wasn't returning. So it was basically they had a handful of guys coming in and they were they had they had to pick someone from that group of guys. And if they weren't satisfied, well, I think they were going to go find someone else. Um, but basically they brought in a couple scenarios, you know, me and Richie or Sergio to do all three or there might be a, um, a Canadian coming out from somewhere that can that can produce. And uh, ultimately, they went with me and Richie. But to have an opportunity like that, not everybody gets that. Um, but then also saying that to anybody that's, you know, you always go in and compete because you never know what's going to happen, whether, you know, there'd be an injury or anything, anything can happen and it might be your time. So and you've always got to fill in when you need to fill in. So uh, having an opportunity where it was open like that, um, you know, I would, but having that opportunity, I was still looked at as the underdog. You know, there was Richie that had played in the CFL before, Sergio who'd played in the CFL before. Um, so I wasn't really looked at as this guy was an open tryout. It was more, you know, let's see what he's got and we'll see what happens. And when did you, when did you find out, like when did you get the call or when did they have you in the office to let you know that you'd made the team? Uh, I think it was, when the team needs to be made the final day of cuts and things. And, uh, we would, you know, I came in to, for meetings, like I do every morning, we come in, we have breakfast and, you know, I was just sitting in my locker and, um, Sergio's stuff was still there, but I hadn't seen him yet. Um, went into the meeting, still hadn't seen him. Um, we had a team meeting and then basically, from there, we went to a special teams meeting just for specialists. So there was myself, LP, uh, Tanner, our other long snapper at the time, uh, Richie and Coach Dice. And, you know, he sat there in this little little meeting room and basically said, well, I guess we can all kind of see the obvious. This is what we're going with. These are my expectations. This is how we run things. Um, and then from there, that was kind of the 
you know, you guys are going to be our guys. So, you know, now it's, now it's time to get serious and we're now into, we're no more tryouts anymore. And now we're preparing for a season. And talk to me about the dynamic of during that open trial, obviously today you and Richie are great friends, but when you first get there, it's an open trial. You're competing with him. You're competing with Sergio, but also as special team as you guys are kind of off, not off on the side, but you're doing, you're, di- you're like in a different scenario than everyone else. So you're also kind of banding together at the same time as special teamers. So what's that dynamic like of kind of making a friendship with all those guys, but also competing with them for a job? It's, uh, it's different. It's something that I've never really experienced. And I think a lot of the guys in the States probably experienced it a little more. Um, I'm more of a quiet guy. I come in, I get my work done. Um, and I will compete with, not compete with you in silence, but I'm not someone to be all buddy, buddy and be all high energy and super excited for everybody all the time. I'm more focused on me and what I need to do, um, to get the job done. And I think that's kind of always how I've been. And people kind of take me as a little serious in that sense, or like they can't talk to me or he's quiet, but that's just me kind of focusing in and, and uh, kind of being competitive in my head going, you know, yeah, sure. You know, we got to be civilized and be teammates and things like that for this point, but I'm here to, I'm here to win a job. So um, that's how I kind of go about it. Um, I mean, Sergio had a few of his little injuries throughout camp, which I think helped me a little bit. It was able to, give me a bit more time by myself to show what I can do. I remember we had a couple, I think it was just myself. It was just the rookies. So Richie didn't class as a rookie. Um, Sergio didn't class as a rookie. So I was, I was in camp a couple of days before and uh, coach Dice would, he'd be out in the middle of the field with a couple balls and he'd say, run to the sideline, run back. We got an extra point. I'd kick that. He'd say, okay, run to the sideline, run back. I'd have to set up another ball somewhere else, kick that. So we did a couple of drills like that. And I think after that point, I think uh, I kind of took it as he's, he's trying to test me a little bit, trying to get him, not get in my head, but he's trying to see my mental toughness and my physical ability. And I think at that point, it was kind of the one-on-one time he kind of saw, he was like, hey, you know, this, this kid's got something special. So and talk to me about your relationship with Coach Dice today. Oh, he's uh, he's. Uh, I mean, obviously he's a coach, but I see him much more as a coach. You know, he he took a big step to uh, put me out there and to trust in me. And and um, our relationship throughout the three three of us, me, L, myself, LP, and Richie, um, he he responds differently to each and every one of us. Um, I'm more the quiet, serious kind of guy that he has some serious conversations with. Richie just kind of speaks his mind, and then coach tells him his thoughts on things too, which which can be kind of funny. You kind of pick on Richie a little bit, and then LP is just a character in himself as well. And we just we all just have a good time together. So our uh, our relationship goes probably further than coaching. Um, you know, more of a friendship and and a bond that we have. And I think that's why we're so successful is because he can trust us to go off on our own and do our own thing and, um, and be able to be working on the sideline and do what we need to do. Um, and I think, I truly think that um, we're not something that he has to worry about anymore. Um, it's not something that he has to think about. He can just trust us, do what we need to do, call on us when, we, when we're called upon. Um, and then obviously, you know, we have our meetings and stuff and, and they're pretty serious, but, um, our relationship all around between all four of us is, is just is really, really good. And I think that's something that, um, really benefits us as a whole. And you mentioned that early on, like coach Dice, he didn't take a chance on you, but he put his trust in you to get the job done. And you more than proved that that was, he put it in the right place with obviously the record, which is where we're getting to. And I want to ask, like, when you were approaching the rookie record first, I believe that the record sat at 22. Was there a lot of buzz at that point? Like, I know there was a ton of buzz as you kind of kept going, but what was the buzz like when you were approaching the rookie record? Um, I've always been one to kind of be a little ignorant to things like that. Um, I'm someone that definitely thinks, you know, I don't need to know those kind of things. Um, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to make me a, better kicker to know what the record is or um or anything like that so i like to stay kind of 
to myself in those kind of things. Um, I didn't even know that I, that record was coming up. I didn't even know I broke it until I think there was an announcement. Um, I don't think it was during the game. I think it was after the game there was an announcement. Um, but my kicking coach, I remember talking to him on the phone the night before the game, and he asked me if I knew who the kicker previously was that held the record. And I said, no, I I don't I don't think I've heard that name before. I don't know who it is. And he said, oh, okay, well, uh, never mind. And just kind of we went off on our conversation. And then later in the week after, that was the reason why he was asking, because he was asking if I knew who it was and that I was getting close to a record and stuff like that. Um, but truthfully, I didn't even know anything about those records, you know, even a rookie kicker record even existed, you know what I mean? So, um, I didn't even know anything about those until we got further into the streak. I was gonna say, that's a smart way by your kicking coach to kind of see like, if you know you're approaching this record or not, and instead of asking you if you know you're approaching the record, which would then put that in your head, he just asked about the guy who had the record to see your reaction. I think that's super interesting. But so once you break that, the rookie record, then do you become more, as you meant, like you became more aware of the records that were coming up? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, once, once that record was done, it was kind of cool. And it was like, yeah, you know, he, um, that record was broken now. And then we just kind of went along and went along. And then the hype started coming back up again when we were getting close to the CFL record and stuff like that. And so ultimately you broke the CFL record and went on to break the all-time record. And it's not like they were keeping you, like especially as you progressed towards the all-time record, it's not like they were keeping you in short distance scenarios to make sure that that streak continued. I believe the one that broke the record, was that not 52 yards? Yes, it was. It was against it was against Hamilton in... Uh, Later in the season, it's kind of funny. My kicking coach has always said, you know, you don't hit your record kicks later in the year. Weather gets a little more difficult, a little challenging. Um, games can be a little more important. So maybe sometimes teams are a little safer in how they do things. Um, but yeah, I mean, coincidentally, that record was broken against Hamilton later on in the season. And then last year, I had my record long of all time of 56 against Hamilton in Hamilton. So. So uh, that's, that's kind of funny, but yeah. But talk to me about when the, where you broke the record, where you kicking the 52 yard field goal at that point, you have to know that the record is very close. If not, you knew that this kick was the record. What's going through your mind at that moment as you're jogging out onto the field to take that kick. Um, so I think during that season, um, when the streak was really going on and it was really kind of big news, um, our football team was much different than what it was last year. Um, we were going, you know, we were head to head with Hamilton, um, trying to fight for a playoff spot, who was going to lead um, the East and who was going to get the home playoff game. So I think that season did a good job of every kick was so important um, to to help us win football games that it was a really good distraction from everything else that was going on. Um, going off or going onto the field for that field goal. I think I was, I was excited that I broke the record, but I think I was more excited to put the points on the board and turn around and kind of in my head, you know, I'm like, pretty excited to kind of stick it to Hamilton a little bit. You know, we're, we're putting points on the board. We're, we're in a position to win the game. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's a momentum swing. We hit that field goal. Uh, it's a momentum swing and helping us win the football game. So I think um, that that season did a really good job of distracting me from the news that was going on. And it was just more allowing me to focus on the important things like helping us win football games. And when you hit that kick, your parents were in the crowd, right? What did it mean to have to have them there to witness that happen? Uh, it's very special. I mean, to have have the CFL record and the the All Pro record be broken at home, um, where friends and family can literally be in the stands to watch it happen. Um, it's something special, and it's not something that everybody gets to experience. And I'm very fortunate that I've been able to play so close to home and have my parents come to literally every home game um, and support me. And then, you know, to see them uh, after, after every game and uh, to have their support is, is definitely really, really special and meaningful to, uh, 
be able to have that opportunity because not a lot of players get to be at home and play. Mm-hmm. And was that 56 yarder? Was that a part of the streak or was that after? Um, I don't believe that was a part of the streak. That was, that, I believe that was after. Do you practice from that distance? Like, cause clearly that's not a situation you find yourself in too, too often kicking from 56 yards. So were you confident that you could hit that? Or like, do you practice that often? Like talk to me about that kick. Well, I mean, we, we practice. I mean, I'll, I'll throw a couple out at distance. Um, what usually I do in, in practices and warmups is you kind of have an eye on what your distances are like, how you're hitting it, what the weather's like. But, um, in that game in Hamilton, obviously it's a little colder, a little breezier. Um, but it was funny. I think my longest kick in warmup, I think was from 54. And I think that just snuck in. And that's, so that kick, I mean, I wasn't really prepared for that kick. I didn't think, um, you know, coach, coach Campbell came over and he said, you know, can you, can you hit that? Or he said, what did you hit in warm up? And I said, I hit from 54 in warm up. And he said, all right. And then I was like, okay. So we just kind of waited going down the field. We run down the field and then, um, he calls for field goal. And I was like, I was wondering if it was a mistake or if we're going to have a fake or, or what, what our situation was, but we were just going straight for it 56 yards i hadn't hit it in warm-up and uh and uh you know everything just worked out perfect and just kind of went for it and i hit it so you know something like that you don't really always prepare for but uh you just have the confidence to go in and 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 do it we've talked about a number of different records that you've broken whether it be a college you mentioned records you broke in high school now you're breaking records in the pros are you desensitized to it at this point like is it just another day when you break another record um, I mean, it's always, it's always, uh, interesting. It's always, I'm always grateful for it. Um, but you know, I've never been someone that's been, like I said before, I'm always, I've always been kind of ignorant to the facts and, um, you know, records and stat lines and, you know, things like that from, from other players. So I think that's, what's kind of, kind of helped me. And it's really just really made me focus on just doing what I need to do to to really just help us win football games and do my part to really do what we can you know in in that kind of sense so uh I think that has that has definitely helped me throughout uh, my career and now kind of back to the record what went through your mind when you kicked field goal number 70 and it went off to the right and the record was broken like what was going through your mind at that time I was disappointed I was more disappointed that um, that I'd miss the kick more than anything. Not so much, uh, it's, that's it, it's done and over with. Um, it was more just, it was frustrating because it was a bad kick. Um, I felt like throughout the week, I'd kind of been um, struggling with not really injuries, but you know, your body kind of breaks down at certain points of the year. Um, and I, I just couldn't figure something out in the week. I was hitting the ball low. Um, it was kind of spraying off to the right. I was trying to work on things and that kick, I just came in for it. I just hit it a little low on the, on the ball. It wasn't a terrible kick. It wasn't a great kick. Um, I just hit it low on the ball and it just kind of faded off to the right. It just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. I mean, it was so close to going over top of the upright. Um, but ultimately they called it no good. It just kind of faded off to the right. And, uh, I kind of knew that it wasn't clean as soon as I was, I, it came off the foot. So I think it was just more disappointing, um, just missing the kick and, um, you know, it kind of, it's always a bit of a defeat when I miss, it's like, you know, you come on for your job and and you didn't do it right. So uh, that's the way I think about it. Not so much of the, the streak was ended. That's fair. And even though like you did miss in that miss, you still did something that most kickers have never done. And you got a standing ovation for missing a kick. How did it mean to get that reaction from the crowd? Um, yeah. I mean, right now it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, you know, having, having the fans show me the appreciation that they have, uh, you know, they've been, they've been there supporting me since day one. Um, and it's kind of, you know, me doing my job and kind of making them proud, you know, um, you know, every time people come on and they're like, oh, you know, this guy's going to come on, he's going to, he's going to kick his field goal. Um, I even had players that I played at university on the other team, 
uh, like Jackson Bennett and uh, Ty Cranston play play in Montreal and Hamilton. And uh, they, they see me come out of the field and they say that they have teammates that are booing and trying to get in my head a little bit. And they're, they've, they kind of talked to me after the game and told me what they were doing. And they're like, you know what, that's just going to make him, that's just going to make him hit the field goal. It's not going to, that's not going to help him. Uh, it's not going to make him miss in any way. So um, having the crowd to appreciate me like that, I think it was a, it was a special moment. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I want to talk to about kind of like some of the byproducts of that record. Like how often do you get stopped now when you're out and about maybe even at the grocery store in Ottawa or anything? Honestly, not, not a lot. Um, I've been, I've been driving around CD place a little bit and, and someone will wave or kind of point and wave, but honestly I can probably count um, probably on, you know, five, six, seven times that I've been stopped in the last two years and, and someone say hi or something. It's usually someone just saying hi and, you know, they're excited for the season to be to start and um, just, just encouraging things like that. But I've never, I haven't actually really been stopped too, too much being around town. That's fair. And what about like the media frenzy that ensued? Was there anyone like from down the States that kind of shouted you out or anything? I believe Pat McAfee gave you a shout out on his podcast or something like that. Yeah, I think he tweeted out, um, tweeted out just kind of recognizing the record because obviously the record that I broke was, uh, was one of his, you know, out of Vinatieri, um, one of his Indianapolis boys. So, um, you know, he kind of, he kind of put out there and said, you know, it's, it's a great accomplishment. It's hard to um, compare when they're two different leagues, um, even though something like that is probably very, very similar. Um, kicking might be kicking and punting might be, or even long snapping is probably the only thing that exactly translates over throughout the league. I mean, um, even as a quarterback or maybe even offensive line, things are different, more players, different styles of the game and stuff like that. So, um, but he, he kind of said, you know, congratulations. And, it's tough to really compare, but you know, being able to do that over and over again is, uh, is, uh, is pretty impressive. I think my, my king coach said that, you know, not a lot of people might not be able to get in and out of bed 69 times without doing something wrong, knocking a glass over or tripping over something. So to be able to be able to do that 69 times is, uh, is pretty impressive. Did Adam Vinatieri ever get it? Did you ever get in touch with him or did he ever mention the record at all? I don't believe so. No. Is there anyone else that like either got the chance to speak to or gave you a shout out that you were surprised at when we were like during the record? Um, not so much that I was really surprised that, I mean, other players around the CFL, um, even just randomly on the field would come up and be like, Hey, you know, you know, so maybe, you know, they might chirp me on the field and then after the game, they, you know, Hey, you know, you're, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. That kind of stuff. So that's always encouraging. I mean, between the lines, everyone's always really competitive and they, they're themselves and they do what they feel that they need to do to help win football games. And then afterwards, you know, everyone's very, uh, everyone's like, you know, they're, they're nice and they, they come up and they're, they're appreciative of other players' skills and things like that. And you mentioned there when you were talking about Pat McAfee, you mentioned Indianapolis. And correct me if I'm wrong, Indy is one of the three teams you went and tried out for this offseason. I believe it was Indy, Cincinnati, and Minnesota. Uh, and Atlanta as well. Yeah. And Atlanta. So what was your experience like down in the States trying out for NFL teams? Um, it was different. I mean, they fly you in, you work, you, you know, you go to the hotel, you eat, they pick you up early in the morning. And then before you know it, you're back on a plane home. Um, it was, it was, I don't want to say stressful experience, but it was an intense experience. Everybody around the facility, is super intense it's i mean maybe i'm a little the way i you know the way ottawa runs it's a little more i don't want to say relaxed but it's um maybe the environment that i'm in when the position that i'm in it might be a little more easy going um but there you walk down the halls and you can feel the intensity you can feel um they're always evaluating you um but i mean the facilities down there uh, the way they run things, um, the, the things that the players have access to. I mean, in, in Minnesota, you walk down the hall and everything's glass. You can look into the indoor field. Um, just down the hallway, they have a, have a Gatorade bar with 
three workers behind the bar. You can get smoothies, snacks, food. Um, a few more yards down the hallway, they have the medical facility, pools. At the end of the hallway, they have a, a ginormous two-story gym, uh, all glass that you can look out onto multiple state or fields and and um, you know what the stuff that they have down there is is completely out of this world, and you really have to go down and experience it to really believe and understand what it's like down there. Um, but the workouts themselves were all super positive. I got some good feedback. Um, I got a lot of positive feedback. Um, but in pro sports, it's it's all about timing. And like, what do you mean? Like, can you elaborate a little bit more when you say it's all about timing? Um, well, I think I was fortunate. So, for example, the timing of me becoming a Red Black, um, Brett Mahar got an opportunity to play down in the NFL. Um, if he didn't have that opportunity to play in the NFL, I may have not gotten an opportunity to really try out for the Auto Red Blacks. Um, so it's all about timing and what teams need and the players that they want. Um, it just so happened that, you know, the teams that I worked out for, they were possibly struggling for a kicker and they just didn't feel that um, it was the right move for them at the time. What are some, from that experience, what are some of the key learnings or some key takeaways you had from your time down there? Um, I think more just to enjoy, enjoy the experience. I mean, I think I got uh, maybe caught up in a little bit of how intense things were instead of just going down there and enjoying everything. Um, but I mean, overall, it was just a positive experience. Um, the things to take away from it is, is just to be like, hey, you, you know, I was able to, I was able to do that. If I ever get the opportunity again, I know kind of what to expect. I know what it's like. Um, but overall, it was just a real, real positive experience. And so with that in mind, what are some of your expectations now heading into your third season with the Red Blacks? Um, I would like to kind of do something that we did in my first year. I'd like to make a playoff run again. Um, ultimately, obviously, the goal every year is to try and make the breakup. Um you know, I would like to contribute like I did in my um to go down there, help us win football games. Um, but other than that, you know, I just I'd really like to do some things positive again, you know, kind of put put away what we did in the last couple of years last year and uh just start again. Okay. And like are you planning to have a bit like obviously with your first two seasons, you're still getting comfortable in the league, but is your plan to be more of have like a leadership role in the locker room or are you still just gonna be your quiet self? Like what's kind of your expectations for that? Um, I would say I've grown a little bit, um, not being so vocal, but being a guy that, I mean, I've always kind of been a guy that I believe that teammates can count on. Um, I, I want to continue to be that guy. Um, I want to continue. I'm not super loud. Um, so I want to be a guy that can lead by example again. So come into work, pay attention to meetings, um, do what you need to do be productive on the field. Um, and I think for the most part, a lot of the guys do a good job of that. Um, but basically just kind of lead by example and say, Hey, look, if, if, uh, if you kind of have a mindset and a dedication, like some players, you know, some of the players we do have, have that, then, you know, if they can adapt to that and take that in and maybe, maybe take, not take things a little more serious, but really, kind of be proud of being an auto red black and and paying attention to the details and then just kind of lead by example and uh you know if we can all do that i think it's pretty unstoppable if you can all buy in and do that mm -hmm. and now fast forwarding many many years down the road what are you what are you envisioning for post-playing career lewis ward uh i don't know i haven't thought about that that is uh that's changed a lot as the years go on. I mean, when I first started, I was like, hey, football doesn't last very long. Maybe go into law enforcement, be a police officer. Um, you know, my off-season jobs the last couple of years has been um, helping out at Titan Performance and just being a performance coach to, to different athletes around Ottawa. Um, that's given me a different insight on, you know, being being able to work with kids and stuff like that and trying to help them achieve their goals is a special feeling um, throughout the year. 
Um, but ultimately, maybe just keep playing football until I physically can't play anymore, and then uh, and then uh, see what happens from there. What is some of the advice that you give to aspiring professional football players or young football players? Um, I would say depending on what age they're at, um, don't just play football. Don't you know play lots of different sports. Um, you know maybe be educated on the route that you want to take is the school, the right school you want to go to. Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, um, I was always told no matter how bad that, you know, you want football in your life, eventually football will leave you, whether it be high school, university, um, you know, a two year, two year professional career or a 12 year professional career, eventually football leaves you. So, you know, get your education, um and uh be be coachable you know i i've seen um a lot of over the years especially at my time at university um kids dropping out because they don't take coaching points or they're not accepting of some of the things that are people say and obviously most importantly is people not being able to play football because they can't stay academically eligible um, so I would just say, you know, stay focused on what you need to do. Don't get caught up in, in outside stuff and, um, just keep working hard and enjoy it and just have fun. I want to change gears here a little bit. Can you tell me about Fergus? <laughs> he, uh, he's a, I think he's almost 10 months. Bernie's mountain dog. I think he's close to a hundred pounds now. He's got lots of energy. He's very demanding for attention. Um, he can be a big suck when he wants to. Um, but other than that, he's, he's, he's kind of high maintenance. Um, but uh, no, he's, he's, he's a good boy. That's awesome. So why did you decide to get a Bernie's Mountain Dog? Well, that's so big too. Yeah. Uh, so in Switzerland, when we lived in Switzerland, um, you know, they're out there. Uh, they're a Swiss Bernese mountain dog. So you, you saw a few out there and uh, my mom saw one and she asked the lady and she said, what, what is that breed? And she went out and she found one, she found a breeder. And eventually we had, um, we got our first Bernese in Switzerland and then we brought them over to Canada and my parents have had three Bernese now and Fergus will be the fourth, but he's mine. So he'll be my first Bernese. So I just kind of fell in love with the breed and their personality and their size and, and, uh, they're, they're fun dogs to have. And where did the name Fergus come from? Um, I think, I, I mean, I had a list of names, um, but the ones that I can remember, um, I think I came up with, uh, Ferguson kind of like the, um, the manager for Manchester United, Alex Ferguson. I don't know how I came up with that, but that just kind of put together and uh, I kind of liked Gus. So I was like, well, I could could call him Ferguson and then have a nickname for him, something short, but I'm not someone that's like that. If I'm going to have a name for someone, it's going to be, that's what their name's going to be. So um, throughout the list, Fergus just kind of kept, kept on the list all the time from scratching out names and adding names. Um, so when I went and picked him, she asked, what do I want, what do I want to put on? put on his, um, his, uh, his certificate there. And then I just said Fergus and, and that's, that's kind of it. That's awesome. What are, what are some of your other interests away from the field? Um, uh, I, I mean, I do like to play a lot of golf in the summer. Uh, me and Richie trying, it's, it's hard to get him out sometimes, but when he's in the mood, he'll, we'll, we'll go out golfing. Um, the, uh, at, um, the Rideau View golf course, they, they kind of spoil us over there and they give us, they let us come play golf, uh, whenever we want. So, uh, whenever they can fit us in. So, uh, they spoil us out there. We get to go on. It's a, it's a beautiful golf course. It's an amazing shape. So, um, I used to snowboard before football. Um, but as football got more serious, um, I kind of kind of gave that up. I haven't in a few years now, but, um, I used to be, used to be pretty good. Um, I was even considering maybe moving, moving somewhere and maybe part-time 
first aid on a on a ski hill or a mountain somewhere get away from Ontario maybe but things like that I enjoyed a cycle I did a lot of mountain biking before um, I got a road bike now which I would like to get on a little bit more but haven't don't get on it too too much unfortunately but um, other than that I mean it's a lot of activity based uh, um, activities I would say outside get you know enjoying outside I was gonna say is there any non-sports or fitness related activities that you do uh, I play a, quite a few video games, probably, probably too, too many video games, but uh, it's Call of Duty, some Fortnite, things like that. I'm not big into the sports games, but because uh, life pretty much revolves around sports. It's the only way to get away from it. <laughs> yeah. My last question for you, Lewis, is how often do you reflect on that guy that was 17 years old, not getting recruited, only got accepted by one school to come play football? to where you are today as a professional football player, how often do you reflect on that? Um, I wouldn't say I reflect on it too, too much. I mean, it was just kind of, I don't know if I was fortunate that it just kind of all fell together, if that's how it was supposed to be, or whether my work ethic and things just kind of, kind of put things into place. But everything really, really just, when it was time to make a decision, I find that everything really just falls into place and it just um you know it really makes it so that's the you pretty much that's your only option i mean obviously there's probably other options that i had you know maybe go to a go to college or try a different sport or you know whatever it was but it just kind of made it so obvious at that moment that, that was the decision to make and then once i kind of hit university then it was kind of like okay i've really really got to work at this and then as university kept going and going, it was, it was really um, the opportunity to play pro sports was kind of there. So it was just kind of like, again, you just kind of wait for your, wait for your time. And, um, you know, I would probably say I reflect more on my university career than anything, just kind of working to get to the pro level. And then again, you know, Ottawa called and that was pretty much my only option. And then, so I feel that's how it was supposed to go. Um, you get these things that get put in front of you on, you know, that that's the way you're supposed to go and you go that way and then you make everything of it and then something else comes up and then you go that way and you make everything of that. So I truly think that that's how, that's how things have worked out for me. I love it. But I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. I want to give you the floor. Where can the people find you on social media? Uh, mostly, mostly Instagram. I'm not on Twitter too much. I mean, I just kind of go on there, check out the news and what things are being posted, but you guys can uh, see me on Instagram there at uh, Louis Ward 17. Um, that's pretty much the only social media that I use. Awesome. Well, make sure that's linked in the show notes down below. And I want to thank you once again for taking the time to be on this podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through, you only listen to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. Everyone do me a big favor. Go and follow Lewis on Instagram. Like I said, I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. And make sure you follow the Red Blacks. We're on Instagram at CFL Red Blacks and Twitter at at red blacks also if you enjoyed today's podcast please consider leaving a rating and a review the more positive ratings and reviews you get the more it helps new people find this show and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here thank you once again for listening everybody we'll talk soon 